Ahoy authors! You're listening to The Writership Podcast, a show focused on helping indie authors master self-editing skills. So come aboard and get ready to find the treasure in your manuscript with hosts Leslie Watts and Clark Chamberlain. Welcome to episode 91 of The Writership Podcast. I'm Leslie Watts here with Clark Chamberlain from The Book Editor Show. Every week, we show you editing in action with tips that you can use to improve your own stories. If you want to learn more about the Writership Podcast, you can visit the website at writership.com slash podcast. And as you know, the Writership Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at Author Marketing Club, home of the new and improved Amazon Reviewer Grabber Tool. You know you need high-quality reviews for your books, so you should use the AMC Reviewer Grabber Tool to quickly and easily locate reviewers that are ready, willing, and able to review your books for you. Become a premium member of AMC now by visiting www.authormarketingclub.com and get instant access to this tool and more. How's it going, Leslie? It's going all right, Clark. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I know. 2017, already well underway. I know. It is. I've already uh, made the few mistakes on checks with uh, putting the wrong year on the end of them and ready for that to be over. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, before we – I'm jumping around a little bit, but before we go into the quote of the week – I wanted to um, to mention that that I have a birthday coming up, and you can send all the presents to my address. Which no, what I really mean <laughs> is um, I've been working on a book with uh, with John Roman, who's the co-founder of the uh, Front Row Foundation, and it's a it's a charity that provides. Um, front row experiences or, um, you know, the, the event of um, their dreams for people who are facing life-threatening illnesses. And one of the things in his book um, is, is about being of service, one of the co- core concepts. And, uh, and he told a story about how he likes to say, on your birthday, be the present, not just that you are the present you know, present to the world by your mm-hmm. your very existence, but that um, but it's about being of service on your birthday and and all the time, really. But but especially and so um, I was feeling inspired, and I am offering for my birthday that is coming up a um, oh I will uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm tripping up over my words here, but I will offer four books um, in a giveaway for, um, and we will have two of Clark's favorite books. One is called Making Shapely Fiction by Jerome Stern, and the other is Writing the Breakthrough Novel by Donald Moss. And uh, for for my part, I've picked two favorites too. Uh, one is, of course, the Story Grid by Sean Coyne, and the other is Story Genius by Lisa Cron. So, here's how it works. Um, we also want reviews. So, <laughs> so um, in exchange, so if you will go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review, and then take a screenshot of that and email that to us at 
writershippodcast at gmail.com. Then um, in two weeks, we will pick a winner from from that. And if you're in the States, you can choose between the um, between print versions or um, electronic versions. Uh, but if you're outside the United States, I'm afraid that the shipping is kind of crazy, but you will get uh, digital copies of all four of those books. So again, that um, excuse me, the, the email address is writershippodcast at gmail.com. So that's really, that's really cool. And they, out, and they get all four books, all four books. That's awesome. And they're so, great. They're our favorites. So they, you they know, are. they'll be awesome. <laughs> they are excellent books. So, and what's it going to feel like being 25? Yeah. Well, you know, once again, doing 25 <laughs> over and over again, I feel like I'm getting some good experience uh-huh. and uh, I can almost do it, almost master this. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> so would you like a quote for oh, this week? Oh, just for this week, sure. How, how about two? What if oh, I gave you two Oh, look at you. <laughs> All right. So first up is from Beth Hill. Backstory is the accumulation, the totality of the earlier events and histories of those people and things and places that make up your story world. Backstory is part of the setup for plot and characters. It is not a substitute for unfolding events. And from Jimmy Gold, if we can eliminate an event from a character's backstory and it doesn't change this story at all, it's irrelevant no matter how interesting it is. That's painful. It is painful. Come on. You know, you have to do it. But there's this anecdote that would be so fun. Nope. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it is a hard thing to, to get rid of that kind of fun stuff. And, and if it, but if it's, not, if it's not doing anything for the character, then yeah, it's got to go. Right. It's got to go. <laughs> and, and take heart because you might be able to use it in another place. If not in you know, in another book, then uh, it's great for uh, including an email uh, to your readers and, and that sort of thing. So you can share it in a in a blog post or in a, you know, talking about your story or, you know, there you can use it in in marketing and and building relationships with your readers. So it's not all it's not all bad. And then the other <laughs> thing, of course, is, and I'm, I'm spacing on who said this, but that really everything that you've written, go, you know, it, it's in the story, the whole, you know, the feelings and the, and the, the whole enchilada, so to speak, <laughs> is in there, even if it's been cut. Because it's part of, you know, it's part of the process of getting to the story that you ultimately deliver. So there's no wasted effort and you can use those precious gems in other places. So, so go forth and cut that which is not serving the story. <laughs> it's very biblical of you. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, we'll, yeah, you can rest assured we will be revisiting this topic in a few minutes (laughs) as we do. Okay, I'm stumbling around here, but 
we have our submission today is called The Snakes of Playa del Carmen. It's not yet published. It's by Penelope Aaron. Uh, The genre is young adult thriller. Um, And the word count when it was submitted was 35,000, but the author is aiming for 55,000. We have the first chapter. And... Yeah. Are you... I'm I'm ready if you want me to read it today. You're ready. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I thought you were going to add one other thing. All right. (laughs) So, chapter one, the warnings. Don't trust anyone but each other, Josephine, Dad said. He hugged me tightly and kissed my cheek one last time before leaving us four girls in the security line at Dolisidola International Airport. Dad had said things like that so often that I barely heard them anymore. On your toes, he'd say, or lock him up, and the love you, bye, at the end of the phone call. I had said love you, bye, so often on autopilot that one time I accidentally said it to my boss. Still, I I should have paid attention to my father's warning. Love you, daddy, I called and blew him a kiss. His dark brown eyes tinged with worry under a frowning brow as he drifted away. He continued observing us hesitantly, like he would rush back and tell me it was over that I wasn't really going, that he was taking me home where he could keep me safe forever. He took his fatherly duty to forever be worrying about me very seriously, like to the next level. He was determined to be, for me to be alert and on my toes, locked up and trusting almost no one. He really didn't want me to go on this trip. But I had made a promise to my grandmother. She had urged me constantly to visit her homeland to see it smell it taste it to experience it she used to wrap me in her weak arms and tell me stories of her wonderful childhood in a breathy whispery voice she had longed to take me herself but had always been too sick she did not keep secret her disappointment in my mother her daughter for never returning to mexico or for neglecting to teach me spanish grandma feared her culture was being forgotten but it seemed that that going home was too painful for Mama. She never admitted to it or talked about it, but I could tell. When Mama was young, Mexico had promised a bright, privileged future for her and then let her down, cruelly, mockingly even, at the tender age of 12 when her father passed. Whether she had gradually developed a softer place in her heart for Mexico or harbored a sense of guilt, after Grandma's passing, Mama had helped me persuade Dad to agree to my going. Dad lingered near a gift shop, still surveying us like a security guard on duty. Goodbye, Dr. Baker, Casey called. Thanks for the ride, Ashanti added. Don't worry, Dr. Baker, we're all adults here, teased MJ. I had been 18 for two whole days, old enough to vote, gamble, smoke cigarettes, and drink. Well, at least in Mexico I could drink. I wasn't planning to do most of those things, but it was nice to be old enough to have options. It was nice to be able to say, yes, I'm an adult. Dad didn't laugh at MJ's comment. He pulled up the side of his lips into a half-hearted pretend smile, tipped his redskins cap, and disappeared into the crowd near the automatic exit. The doors slammed open, ushering in the humid, unwelcome outside that seeped into our clothing and through our skin, making everything feel sticky. Even though I was beyond excited about this trip, sadness crept in around the edges of my psyche along with the damp air. I didn't like seeing Dad leave like that. He was too nervous. 
I wanted him to tell me something along the lines of, you only have once to live, so have a blast. That's with Shanti's dad, it said, but that was not my father. Are you traveling for sports? You're a sports team, right? Asked a 30-something woman in a business suit. She stood ahead of us in a long line for the body scanners. Well, we do play on our school basketball team together, but I tried to answer politely. Graduation, yo, MJ blurted. We're traveling to celebrate. She threw her hands in the air and rocked her hips back and forth. Anger shoved the melancholy from my mood and rooted itself firmly. My face flushed. MJ was loud and on my nerves, already, and we hadn't even left the D.C. area yet. MJ was our point guard, apparently on and off the court. I respected her as a teammate, but she was not supposed to be here. Oh, nice. Congrats. From where? GMU? The woman asked and pointed at Ashanti's green and gold backpack. We all laughed a little, and Casey answered, No, we just graduated high school. High school? You look older, but congrats are still in order. Where are you headed? She asked as she inched her luggage forward in the line. It had only moved slightly. Cancun, we answered in unison. Right on. Where are you staying? Riviera Maya. All exclusive, baby, crowed MJ, flipping her silky dark hair, throwing her hands around and dancing like a fool again. Her olive skin glowed with suntan oil and looked out of place so early in the morning in the sunless airport. My parents, in their proper manners, would have been mortified to see us now. It was MJ's cousin that we had planned for this trip all year with, but Abby had suffered a near-ruptured appendix two days before we were supposed to leave on my birthday, so MJ was her replacement. The other travelers waiting in the security line were now paying attention to the MJ show. In fact, people walking past the security line were watching as well. I pulled my hood up around my face and looked at the ground. Dad had just reminded us to be cautious, and here MJ was announcing our full itinerary to the entire airport. She might as well have provided her social security number and given out keys to our room. Her parents had paid a transfer fee instead of Abby losing everything she'd spent on the trip. The idea that MJ's parents had covered the cost kept rubbing me the wrong way. Casey and I had saved up for two years for this trip. Two years of babysitting, dog sitting, mowing lawns, snow shoveling, and working at a bakery. Two years. We had worked hard for this vacation, and then along comes Miss Ladmouth Freeloader at the 11th hour. She continued spilling her guts to the stranger. You know the turtle snorkeling tour with the ATV rides through the jungle? No, not turtles, tortugas. The brochure said tortugas, corrected Ashanti. That pulled me from my thoughts of duct taping MJ's mouth and out of my annoyed state. Everyone snickered. With a smile and shake of her head, MJ demanded, Joey, can you tell Shanti what tortugas are? Um, yeah, turtles. Tortuga is Spanish for the word turtle, I said. Oh, she laughed with her straight white teeth that lit up her face when she smiled and shrugged her model-esque shoulders. My bad. I took French, not Spanish, she explained, not stopping to realize that the French world word for turtle was similar to the Spanish one. Ashanti was tall and extremely thin, like ancestors must have been from Sudan thin, with dark skin and an easygoing, no worries personality. I wished I could take relaxing lessons from her. She played an amazing post on the court and got decent grades, but common sense was definitely not her strength. 
Ashanti and I were good enough friends, but she was closest to Abby in our little group. They shared a common interest in flirting with dudes non-stop. Whether they were attractive or not, Ashanti was going to flirt with him. And we're going swimming in the underground caverns too, right? Ashanti leaned on one of the poles that corralled our line and offered an excited grin. Most deaf, said MJ, nodding her thick head of hair. She looked to businesswoman for approval. Oh yeah, I've heard about those. That should be fun. We toured the Mayan ruins when I went and hiked to the top of the tallest temple. It was like a pyramid. You mean at Koba? I interrupted in all my nerd glory. I couldn't help it. It just fell out of my mouth. I had been intrigued with the place for many years. Cancun was the spot for history lovers. It was only a few months before I would be studying archaeology at college on my combo basketball academic scholarships. I had devoured almost every piece of reading material that I could find on the history of Cancun since before I knew I would be visiting there. I couldn't get enough of it. It was my passion, my addiction. The one the one they call Noah Mole. Oh, you've done your homework. Ha, this one always does her homework. She loves homework, MJ interjected. I gave her a death glare, even though she spoke the truth. Businesswoman smiled. Yes, I think that's right. You should check it out if you have time. But really, anything you decide to do in Riviera Maya is going to be great, she said as she moved a centimeter forward in the almost non-moving line. You're going to have the best time. Yeah, we're pretty stoked, said Casey, my best friend and next-door neighbor since second grade. We were like sisters, even though we didn't look alike. Well, we both had wild heads of curly hair, but that was about it. She was pale and freckled, with smooth, creamy skin, bright red hair, and green eyes, while I, while my hair and eyes were dark, along with my mocha latte skin tone. We'd have been known at school as Red Barbie and Black Barbie, Barbie since third grade. Just be careful when you leave the resort and go into town. The locals are really nice people, but you know how it is. No matter where you go in the world, you have to watch out for the one or two rotten ones that have unsavory intentions. She finally reached the end of the line and began unloading her belongings into the security belt. Pretty young girls like you could be targets without saying or doing anything wrong, so be careful. Once again, a warning that I didn't pay attention to. Another... Love you, bye. We parted ways with the chatty businesswoman and arrived at gate A11 after a shuttle ride, one bathroom detour, and a Chick-fil-A stop. A11. I thought about gate A11 some more. A11 for my jersey number. Luck or coincidence? I'm almost there, I whispered. Okay. Thank you. Um... I think that you know what I'm really loving this um, this group of girls who are you know heading out on this adventure, and I think it's uh, it's lovely the way we have you know we have um, the nerdy one and we have the boy crazy ones, and then we have the just plain annoying one, <laughs> uh, you know, and and that they can you know that that will add conflict and tension to anything you know any scene where they're all together because they have those conflicts kind of built in into their relationships Mm -hmm. yeah which is always an excellent thing because you know um i was teaching a dialogue class and uh referenced 
you know, a reality TV. Because when you ca- when you see a reality TV show and they cast it, you know, they don't cast people that are going to get along. That's not what? good TV. <laughs> you know, they could go out of their way to make sure that they have personalities that are going to rub against each other and cause problems. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an excellent way to do that immediately, like in your stories with characters, is make sure that there's – that everything – people just don't say yes and agree and go along with things. You know, that you've got these personality types that are going to even – in the idea of checking out boys, which is something that our main protagonist doesn't do, you know, that in itself could be something small. But of course with the MJ, uh, character coming in there, that's going to cause all kinds of problems. Yeah. She's going to cause problems. It mm-hmm. <laughs> reminds me kind of a, the way, you know, Seinfeld is so fastidious, but Kramer is just an absolute mess. And I was always like, oh, gosh, not him again. You know, so like I have that that sense that MJ could really wreak some havoc uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in Joey's world. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so and yeah. it, it's a really good group of characters. Um one of the things that I noticed through here is it's a lot of telling and backstory. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, that's what we had the quotes there for. But there's a lot of backstory issues here that are going on. Yeah, I think that that some of – sometimes we're p- trying to provide context, right, in the, in the beginning. And, and a good point that, um, that I heard on the StoryGrid podcast recently was that, you know, when you're writing – the initial drafts of your of your story you want to throw in everything every detail you think might be relevant because you know because it's better to start out with stuff and you know be able to trim it than to um than to need to add more later necessarily Mm -hmm. or or to overlook something because your internal editor is going crazy but Mm -hmm. but it's really important i think especially in the beginning to to make sure that the that you know whatever details you're providing especially the backstory is relevant to the story in the moment mm-hmm. so you know like whatever's happening in present tense should be you know should be the thing that triggers you know providing that you know nugget of information right so like for instance you know the idea of like thinking back to clear when you're in third grade there would have to be an element in the moment that would remind you of that to have any reason to tell the reader about it. Right, right. It's like a, um, like a, yeah, jumping off point and then a re-entry point is, you know, mm-hmm. is always in that present moment so that we are, so that we're not giving the reader too much information that's not mm-hmm. supporting the story. And I know, you know, we talked about this a little earlier when we were talking about the quote that it's hard to leave some of those details out uh, because it seems like they're needed because we we want to provide a context for the reader. But but the truth is that if we give them, you know, every, if everything in included in the scene is absolutely relevant and relevant to that moment, then it's going to provide a better foundation for the reader going forward than if we provide, you know, um, the, you know, the extra backstory, the, the mm-hmm. extra information. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say my caveat on this is that I don't know exactly what is going to be relevant and not later on so i think you know so there is there may be things that i'm missing 
mm-hmm. from not you know as we talk about the the limitations of the format. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think I think that there's some stuff in here that that could be cut. And and you had some thoughts about uh, about changing up the entry point. Right. So it's one of the things I think it's it is the biggest problem in the work that I do with editing is finding that uh, most authors are not particularly sure where they should start the story. Mm-hmm. You know that they that it's either that it's either way too far back, you know, from the actual story taking place or it's too far forward into the story. And so for instance with this one if this if this information that's here that's been presented here in this opening that I just finished reading, if this is really an important, then what I would say is that actually we should probably have three chapters before this chapter takes place, and that we could see. Um, all of a sudden, I forgot her name. What's the Abby? No, is that right? Uh, right. Yeah, Abby, the one who can't go. Uh, yeah. So like that would be one of the scenes that we yeah. would have um, that we would get a chance to see. Um, Joey, like with her family, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even to the point where it was far enough back that, you know, the, the promises being made with her grandma and figuring out with her mom and, and we could see her dad and how overly protective he is. We could mm-hmm. see that in the chapter. Right. And then we have a chapter where we're, uh, you know, like we're with the basketball team practicing and we can see how the interactions with the different girls are and how she doesn't like MJ mm-hmm. and, and how excited she is to go with her friend, Abby. And then all of a sudden it's her birthday and Abby has an appendicitis and yeah. now she can't go. And now MJ is going to be along for the ride and now we're at the airport. And you see, if you have these different chapters where you show the character in their regular life before the event actually starts to occur, you know, where they've, they start to enter this block. So I'm going to guess they're going to get there and probably within another chapter or two, they're probably already going to be into the, um, into the plot, the rolling action that's going to take place in this story. Mm-hmm. And so if you have these chapters beforehand, it gives us a great reference point to see the changes that are being made later in the story. And it also can help us uh, establish good character interaction without having to say, I was friends with her since third grade and everybody says this about us and, or mm-hmm. I don't like this girl because of these things. When we can actually see it in a chapter, it right. helps us establish it even stronger. Right. And how disappoint like we could see her disappointment. Her like disappointment, how does yeah. She deal with ad- the adversity when she's at home. And I think I I particularly particularly, that is, <laughs> uh, agree with you in this story because I think that, you know, what one of the things about going on a trip or going somewhere else is that you kind of you can kind of reinvent yourself, you know. And so even though she's taking people with her who know her, she's out of her normal element and might be be behaving completely differently. So if we get that snapshot of how things are at home in her normal life, then we can definitely see how, you know, what changes happen as she matures Mm -hmm. because she's going through adversity, you know, other adversity that doesn't have anything to do with annoying things, but is, you know, in fact, life threatening. Right, exactly. And these are just one of the ways, you know, you certainly don't want to have, and that's why I was saying you can go too far back though. Mm -hmm. You certainly don't want to have like just, all, you know, you think that these stories are really cool and so you're just going to show us the entire history of the character coming up. Um, one of the things that I would say, you know, is if you look at books like Harry Potter, we have, we, we you know, we don't start him really far into his schooling. No, we start with him at his original life there mm-hmm. at Privet Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Luke Skywalker. You know, this is a this is a great like you think third person because we actually start with action in space with Darth Vader and Princess Leia, mm-hmm. and then we come down and we meet our protagonist, Luke Skywalker, in regular life working on a farm, and then he gets into this stuff. Like we don't see him moved forward. You know, we don't pick up the the story where he and Ben Kenobi are hiring Han Solo to go. And so we want to be able to see how they are in regular life, see what their problems are at work, at play, at rest, before we throw them into all the fun stuff that's going to happen in the rest of the story. Right, right. Yeah, so I think, and in fact, I was wondering if maybe, and this was um, in my, the the list of purposes for backstory and then methods, and uh, I'll get to that in a moment, but but one thing I was wondering is, you know, just something to consider uh, is a, a prologue where, for example, we see the antagonists in action, like we can't mm-hmm. see their faces, but it's kind of, and, and this relates to a point that I want to make in a minute uh, about about the foreshadowing uh, in this, you know, in this uh, chapter. But before I do that, um, I will have I have that, you know, this idea that that every bit of backstory really needs to serve a purpose. And that some of those purposes are to reveal motivation, you know, like, why is the character doing what they're doing in this scene? Um, it can be used to change the pace and tension of the story. Um, it can plant seeds for later scenes. It can, you know, it can provide context for what's happening. Um, but, and, and of course, you can also have like red herrings or a little sleight of hand in there. But really, the, the, the main um, purpose of backstory to me is to reveal motivation and Mm -hmm. reveal something about like help us understand why the character understands you know believes what she Mm -hmm. believes and does what she does yeah um one i was thinking of a and this again this is a, a movie but it um have you ever seen your next no it's a horror film i have not and seen that and it is it takes the horror genre um of the you know family trapped at home with the crazy killers outside and kind of really turns it on its head uh-huh. um and it it takes a character you know and and we we see how great you know life is with her and her fiance and they're going to his parents house and things are just really nice and and then as we're going along and this event takes place and you know they're being terrorized all of a sudden she's just taking charge right and she's like we got to get everyone over here and take care of this and you know one of the one of the attackers comes in and she kills him and someone's like you're kind of really good at killing people And, and then she's like my dad was was a crazy person and, and raised me on one of these survivalist camps. And like, that was like just the small bit of backstory that we got tossed into it. And, um, because it was necessary. And that's one of the things like you can take a look at this and you can start seeing, well, why would this person act this way? And then you get these little things later that Mm -hmm. can explain that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And in the show notes, I'll, um, provide that list of the purposes. And then there's also a list of methods too, which is, you know, the, like the prologue, like I was talking about, like once you decide that, yes, this, this is going in for a good reason, then, you know, then you can think about all the different ways you can include backstory. There are lots of them. Um, but 
I want to talk about next, I want to talk about the foreshadowing that we get in the scene where we have, you know, her dad is, um, M- uh, not MJ, Joey's dad is really nervous, anxious, you know, mm-hmm. anxious about their going and, and seems to, you know, obviously because he says these things to her regularly, that he seems to be an anxious person anyway, or anxious for her at any rate, which is yeah. not uncommon, of course. Uh, and and we have this kind of, you know, warning, and we we also have it um, almost a almost a breaking of the the fourth wall there, where she says, you know, and we didn't follow his advice, or mm-hmm. I, I should have paid attention to my father's warning, and then we get it again with the uh, with the businesswoman that that she says well be careful and oh we should have taken that warning too another one we didn't we didn't pay attention to and since there's not really i mean in this moment there's not a reason for her to be worried about it other than you know the i mean the things that come up when you travel you know as a matter of course that it felt a little a little heavy-handed to me to be mm-hmm. saying, okay, be on the lookout for this now, um, because we we know we're reading a thriller and we're going to get a little bit of a, a, a description. <laughs> you know, I mean, in the book description, we're going to know that that something bad is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if a, if a slightly more uh, subtle approach, like similar to what you were talking about. Um, like leading into the story with more, you know, with more information, with us seeing her, not more information, I need to say (laughs) say that properly, but with targeted scenes that really show her in her natural environment and then how she behaves later, it, it, that, that, like that or you know or and it does probably feel heavy-handed to do a prologue where you see the antagonist so we kind of get an idea of what's awaiting her but but just I guess what I'm saying is that to not have it just delivered to us so mm-hmm. easily have it be more subtle in one way or create create tension in another way that's no. you know that's intriguing and and causes us to go, ooh, what's going to happen here, but not so spelled out. Yeah. Um, and it, another one where you mentioned the red herring earlier that could be interesting with this, because mm-hmm. if, if the father's concern is that they're going to be kidnapped, but then what happens when they're there is that they are conned into losing all their money. Like, you know, you set up – the pro, you know, the the fear is over here, but that's not even what the problem was. You know, it was right. this other thing over on this other direction, and that can be a little bit uh, of another way to to not come across it. It would take it to the end of the book, you know, before you, or not the end of the book, but it would take it into the second act before you realize that they were worried about the wrong thing. Um, but it's yeah. just another one. Yeah, yeah. So th- they're just things to consider as you're. Uh, looking at this uh and you know in in different stories as well so uh yeah i was gonna talk about a little bit about uh brand names and dialogue tags but we're kind of running tight on time (laughs) so uh 
So I will include extra notes about those in the in the in the show notes. Um, but yeah, um, and and a link to our, I've got a sheet on dialogue tags and descriptive beats and punctuation and all of that. So I'll include that in the show a link to that in the show notes that you can grab if you're struggling with how to do dialogue sentences and then on brand names just generally having a purpose for them is yeah i guess is the point that i was going to make and we've made i think we've talked about that before so i'll just let that go uh but yeah so <laughs> you, okay. you... <laughs> i'm doing well i'm doing well today 2017 Good. is off, off it's to off to a great start yeah yeah <laughs> well you know what? The Writership Podcast is brought to you by oh, the good wait, folks. But wait. Are you, wait, what? You've got more stuff? Yeah, actually, you have the, an editorial mission. Oh, I thought you did that already. No, no. So, okay, here it is in a nutshell. <laughs> and then, and be sure and sign up for the, the email list so that you can get these delivered to your box since I'm going to do kind of a shorter version of this. But, uh, the editorial mission this week is about backstory. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so as I mentioned, when you talk about your, when you write your first draft, you want to include everything you can. But once you've completed it and you enter the revision zone, you want to make sure that every detail earns its place and that you're not giving anything, not just handing anything to the reader. Um, so considering the purpose for each detail, and we'll list those uh, in the in the show notes and in in the email and then as you look at the purpose think about the present moment of the story and and that the revelation like the that the backstory should be triggered by something in the present moment and i have an example um about cheese that you might find funny so uh yes so then once you you know, once you've established that you have a good purpose for providing the backstory, then you can look at the method and, you know, and figure out, you know, assess like what's the best way to deliver this in terms of the length, in terms of the, you know, actual mechanics of delivering it. So all of those details will be in the show notes, which you can find at writership.com slash episodes. And now... Clark, take it away. Then <laughs> the Writership Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Author Marketing Club, which you can find at www.authormarketingclub.com. Don't forget, when you become a premium member today, you'll gain access to the new and improved Amazon Reviewer Grabber Tool. Okay. And before we go, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. Remember the birthday giveaway? And uh, send us your a screenshot of your review at writershippodcast at gmail.com. And if you want your five pages reviewed, you can visit writership.com slash submissions for our automated submission tool. And finally, be sure to check out the book editor show, which Clark hosts with Peter Turley. That's it for episode 91. We'll see you next time on the Writership Podcast. Ready for Leslie and Clark to help you find the treasure in your manuscript? Submit your pages to writership.org forward slash podcast.